the next The Ninja Podcast. Special guests, Jeff Fiette and Justin Morissette, where we discuss, are the Leafs actually good? What's the deal with sports media? What's the deal with complaining about the Leafs all the time on Twitter? What's the deal with airplane food? What's the deal with the Canucks? And a little wrestling. Let's roll. Welcome to the Ninja Podcast. Today we have Jeff Violet and Justin Morissette. Is that how you spell it? Say your last name, Hello. Jeff? Uh, no, uh, that's definitely a color. Uh, Vayette is how you pronounce my uh, my last name. Violet? Vayette. Vayette. Yes. Vayette. Okay. So, first of all, how dare you? <laughs> for two how dare I? <laughs> um... That hat and uh, T-shirt combo that the Leafs Nation was selling for sixty-five dollars. Um, is this supposed to be my response to, to said combo? <laughs> um, what's the deal with that? <laughs> well, uh, normally they're seventy dollars, but then, then they become sixty-five when you get them together. So it's a it's a five-dollar deal. Actually, I don't know what they come up to combined. No. Um, I, I can't really speak too much to that uh, section of the Nation Network. Nation Gear kind of runs separately from where I'm at, but uh, I don't like. I, I don't hate them. I actually have uh, the hat and the shirt. I brought a whole bunch of stuff back with me from Edmonton. Uh, to me, and this is like strictly personal opinion, nothing to do with uh, the companies. They're nice. They're generic. Like if you look at it as oh, it's a leaf hat, then yeah, it's a little odd. But like. It doesn't say what team it is. It's just pray, pray for, for playoffs. playoffs. I I can but yeah, and it's like I can loser it's, talk. It's like <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know. Like fair enough, but like you can also just like wear it like for like beer league or like when you're just hanging out or for like your or for uh, the real good show baseball team as you guys uh, get uh, get closer down the stretch. I don't know. It's oh, no. it, it, it's simple. It's generic. It's got like that whole like Highway 66 kind of vibe to it. I don't hate it. I uh, you're doing a good I, job selling it. I um I don't I don't mind it. I'm not gonna say it's the greatest thing in the world. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna. Mind. I think I've now been quoted as saying it's the greatest thing in the world. But uh, I, there's worse things to complain about than a than a shirt and a hat that a bunch of people seem to be seem to also like. And which brings me to my yeah. next point. How dare you <laughs> come up with the actually good hashtag and have it dominate hockey Twitter all season? Oh, well, that's just the worst. Like that I have no excuses <laughs> for. That is the worst thing to ever happen. Um, as I'm holding uh, some sort of uh, blue mug. Um, I don't know. I mean, we we looked at the start of the season. We saw how people were talking about the team. And there were so many people who had them in the bottom five, bottom ten. Um, yeah. Our own NHL network, uh, NHL numbers on the nation network had a big cast of people put in like their aggregate um, opinions for every team. And I think they have it in 29th and I'm sitting there going, I don't know. There's a lot of really good kids and that team last year shouldn't have been the last place team. They were a team that had good possession numbers, awful shooting percentage, all that. I, th- I think stuff. they were designed to lose. 
they were kind of, they were kind of set up to fail. I don't know if they flat out like tanked it. I think at the start of the year, they thought they'd be a better team than they ended up being uh, towards the end like of it. They definitely intentionally crippled themselves down the stretch though. For yeah, sure. I think, I think down the yeah. stretch, they were a little okay with, uh, with, with, with how things were going towards the end, but definitely like not the worst of the last place teams. One of the better last place teams, which is still like a thinnest kid at fag cap scenario, <laughs> but they, they, they were a lot better than, than, the standings necessarily indicated. So then you add three star forwards, you add the best defenseman out of the KHL, you add a stable starting goalie who could play 60 games of being a starting goalie. There was no reason to think they'd be at the bottom. I mean, what do I think that people were dumb for not having them as a playoff team? No, I, I understood why people would disagree with them making that significant of a jump. Even if I firmly believed it was going to happen, I didn't, need everyone else to be on the yeah it's a playoff team thing but yeah. to be like the idea of playoffs is stupid and delusional and that they're going to be tanking for nolan patrick it made no sense so we made that little hashtag um it was supposed to be me kind of joking around for a bit and uh, it caught fire as a team caught fire um and then yeah. I felt like a little, uh, I felt a little trolly. So I made myself a hoodie and a mug uh, yeah. just for, just for a photo. And everyone else was like, Oh, that's a cool hoodie and mug. I would buy that. So I listed it on Teespring and lots of people bought them. A lot of the money has gone to charity or with, or in times where I don't do charity runs, it goes to upgrading my computer and making gifts better and getting our content out better and just making sure that things work when I, when I put stuff out. So in a way it still finds its way back to something. Uh, but in conclusion, it is the worst thing that's ever happened to hockey Twitter. It's <laughs> ruined all of our lives. It is inherently evil and terrible and all those fun things. Absolutely. How <laughs> dare you merchandise that people actually want to buy? Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Come on. Ped- peddling this merchandise to no- nobody except the several hundred people who have, uh, have bought them. And also a media member who's going to get theirs next week. <laughs> Nice. And it's not like you said that they were going to be like a dominant force this season or anything either. Like a middle of the pack team is still a playoff team. Um, yeah. And that's kind of exactly where they are. So this, it's not like a, a, an insane prediction. You know what I mean? Yeah. My my um, crazy delusional prediction was that they'd be third in the Atlantic. And with five games to go, they were third in the Atlantic. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, how dare well I? Well done. Well done. I was looking in July from an old tweet from uh, Third Period Suits. He said, uh, quote, tweet this with uh, your prediction for the Leafs next season. I said, Leafs make the playoffs. So obviously I was even ahead of uh, Jeff on this train. You were, you were ahead of the hashtag for sure. Um, <laughs> my uh, my good Third Period Suits thing was when he asked uh, how many 50 points scores the Leafs would have. And I said three to six. And people were just like, it, I just got like a whole bunch of responses like, yeah under um and uh six six is looking pretty good yeah um i suppose like zach Hyman can score 40 points the next game and make it seven but i don't know mm-hmm. regression in one game yeah and i was looking at uh mika mccurdy's predictions for the year from the start of the season he had leafs in like third last and the kings in first so yeah i mean well i mean with the models i'm not as i'm not as uh ready to point fingers because i understand why some models had them weaker than others i think my they wouldn't have pretty... any they wouldn't have any data on yeah. right or and that's, and that's um, or Marner, so 
Right. In, in Micah's case, he specifically said at the start of the year, he was just like, I use historical data and my historical data for this Leaf team is I don't know. I have no idea how to gauge them. There's nothing for me to work with. Um, now, if a, if a pundit when saw these guys and was like, oh, well, my personal feeling is because I have no idea of seeing them. That means they're going to be bad. Not just I don't know. They're going to be bad. That was the problem. It was it, it was your traditional radio, TV, whatever thing. So if a model didn't have them there, the model wasn't supposed to have them there. It would be a shitty model if it tried yeah. to predict uh, the team was going to be good out of thin air. Because for them, it's thin air to the I test the standard double research test. That's a little silly, but uh, but the models, whatever they shouldn't, they shouldn't have had them there. Um, and they're going to have them as being good next year now that they have yeah. uh, stuff to work with. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned them adding all those kids in uh, coming into this season also as being like a big reason why you thought they would be as good as they are. But like, it's easy to understand why a lot of people might not be able to make that jump because like it is historic what they are doing right now. Just the production that they are getting from so many rookies at the same time is like this doesn't happen really. It's happened ever. once before or twice before that. Uh three rookies have led the team in scoring. It was like that 1970s Washington Capitals team or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the one that won like eight games or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I don't well, know. Was it only eight games? They I think they were, I think if I'm going to guess, I think that was the one that was like the worst team in history or the <laughs> after team in history. Um, but I mean, I mean, the thing with these three is they had historic precedent before beforehand you had Matthews who was already ripping apart uh, the Swiss league and he had yeah. broken so many U S national development team records. He made Kane and Eichel's numbers kind of look like not, not uh, bad, but like he was ahead of them by a pretty decent margin. Marner obviously crushed the O he kind of ran out of play, uh, places in his trophy case by the end of the year. Yeah. And how many levels have we seen Nylander dominate at? He ripped apart Swedish junior. He ripped apart the Swedish men's level. He was putting up some of the best numbers for an under 21, uh, player in the AHL ever, even though we recently found out that AHL scoring doesn't matter. I wanted to talk to you about that and about uh, what's his name? Patty O'Sullivan. Yeah. Um, big fan of big fan of the blog, uh, big yeah. fan of the mugs, uh, big fan of, uh, <laughs> of me in general. Um, and you, so you had the, that article on the East nation. If young AHL scorers are a dime a dozen, I'd like to give you many of my dimes. And it, this was like a perfect fisking. This is like a old school Cam Sharon. Uh, Leafs Nation content where you went through point by point of how he and uh, Button were wrong about the AHL being having it being uh, easy to score in league and uh, there's maybe a dozen point per game AHL people or something like that it's uh, and most of them unless they're washed up vets become uh, good NHL players like uh, yeah no uh, for for sure and I, I like that you brought up uh, Cam because he's definitely the person I learned this from he was my first editor at TLN and uh, and having that kind of okay well here's why the narrative that we're being sold is wrong is wrong and I and like I spent a while not getting into this type of content but I think there was a point when I when I started to feel hey well trying to take the high ground every time and just ignore when uh, someone of a presence has a uh, a bad take, so to speak. Yeah. Um, 
doesn't drag them down. The hockey Twitter is not exactly uh, the dominant uh, audience in the market. As much as we want to say, hey, if like 20 of us shut up about it, this highly paid, highly audienced media member will go away. That's not true. Not if he's um, a national broadcast. Exactly. It, like, it, it, like, just look at the president of the United States if you need proof that... Uh, yeah. That ignoring uh, someone with airtime uh, doesn't make a difference. Uh, the the best thing you can do is put out a well-reasoned argument questioning it. So that way the person that's on the fence reading it as an audience member d- doesn't only have one side to look at. And yeah. I think that's something that a lot of us forget because we want to be professional. We want, we want to make sure that we don't burn any bridges. A bridge, if you burn a bridge and the bridge is bad... <sighs> whatever the bridge it's i wasn't gonna cross the bread the bad bridge anyway um and in, and in this case like i really respect how button responded to people i don't i still don't agree with him mm-hmm. but he read the article he said it brought up interesting points he re he re-stressed his argument and that was cool um i think o'sullivan called me something like softer than uh than a soup sandwich uh afterwards <laughs> but he was comparing me to cristiano ronaldo so like i'll take that what? i will take being i'll okay. take being soft like the second best soccer player on the planet That's, but do you know what an f3 kickout is i i know that when i used to play ms dos video games like uh, chips challenge or jazz ball or whatever uh on my old computer and i needed to pause the game uh that i would press it f3 yes uh, I it was a t- tony hawk uh, skateboarding move yeah so for me <laughs> f3 was something that used to matter a lot and was a driving force in my childhood but like as time has progressed um i know that i can do more things in my life than hit f3 uh, I think there's a <laughs> wide variety to how i live my life other does than anyone even use function fun. keys anymore um <laughs> i'm looking at my function keys now and i think i still have them as like the play and pause and yeah. all that stuff i use them for the other things so like f lock uh is a great invention actually this keyboard doesn't have f lock uh, <laughs> i just know that my keyboard flashes cool colors that's that's uh, all that really matters there but back to yeah back to the original point like they talk about point per game uh ahl is not working out and then they'll reference like a chris bork or a byron phrase or guys too if we're honestly being honest about the whole thing could probably take the roles of nhl fourth liners anyway Mm -hmm. but there's a difference between doing it at 27 and a difference between doing it at 20 and you look at the list of every under 21 player that's uh that's hit a point per game in the salary cap era. Um, all the 19 year olds, all the 20 year olds, every single one of them is currently playing professional hockey. Um, except for one, um, coincidentally that one is Patrick O'Sullivan, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's a separate point altogether. And most of them are half point per game or higher, uh, NHL players. You've got guys like William Nylander, Logan Couture, Claude Giroux, David Krejci, uh, Bobby Ryan, and, and even guys who were not who were like European players that came in, went back to where where they where they originally were developed. Like Sergei Kostitsin could probably be an effective NHL or just on a on a skill set aspect, and he's playing the KHL. Yuri Tulusi's in Finland. Uh, the only guy that's really flamed out and not had somewhat of a successful career on this list is Luke Adam, and even he played ninety games. And yeah. when you go to twenty two year olds, everyone still has had their cup of, their cup of coffee in the NHL, and most of them have played uh, at least a couple hundred games. So even at 21, you got like Drew Stafford, Yuri Hudler, Clark MacArthur, uh, Troy Brower, Krejci again, 
Um, they, you're getting good players if they can score at a young age, and that's what matters. It's being the boy who can who can keep up with with, with the older guys, and that's what Captain's doing. Captain's having one of the best seasons for a 20 year old in a very long time. He's played exceptional two way hockey. I'm not entirely convinced that Bunnens watched him very much this year, based on yeah. his uh, his eye test evaluation of him being inconsistent uh, in his purpose and his effort and all that, because he's been one of their hardest working players. He come to the press box. Boxes. I think I've seen him there once in the last yeah. couple of years. It's and I'm there for most games, other than other than my two weeks where I vanished off to Vancouver to talk to right. uh, to Justin and a bunch of others uh, and have fun for a bit. Um, so maybe, so maybe he was. T- it was it was it was a great time. Um, I went last year and the analytics conference was fine, but just meeting all the hockey Twitter people was amazing. And I got I was drunk for basically a week and a not a week and a half like a day and a half like yeah that was that was was a lot of fun we uh we both crashed on couches in jd's house uh (laughs) saying one one of the nights i was there for i think the entire two weeks this time i was at his house for some of it and sharon's for some of it but yeah no it's just it's it's a it's a really fun time i just i wouldn't try handstands again next time you come greg i don't think that's gonna uh no You can't tell me what to do. I mean, you can try it. I just, I've past experience, you know? Um, I was not in a good shape to be doing handstands. Yeah. But I'm practicing. So. Okay. All right. Well, I believe in you. So maybe, maybe we can give it another go next year. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, getting back to you, O'Sullivan, is he came out, was it last, after the Capitals got eliminated and he was ragging on Ovechkin. This is my first interaction with him. He was ragging on Ovechkin for teaching the team after he got eliminated to go play more hockey for Russia in the uh, World Championships. And then I was like, that's a dumb thing to say. And everyone was on Twitter was saying, why do you care? And isn't it okay for him to play at a high level? So then you got like me, uh, Skinny Fish from Pension Plan Puppets, and a couple other guys in his DMs, and he copy and pasted this uh, the same response to each of us. Like, well, you don't know. I know the people in the team in the dressing room don't like it, and blah blah blah. And then uh, it was just really weird. And yeah. uh, and then everything he says is just negative and angry. And yeah. Um, which what? is which is really weird. Like it's a it's a shame because obviously so many of us are aware of what his upbringing is, and we want to, yeah. and, and we want to be nice about it because we know that there's a backstory to why he is the person he is today. But he's. It, it, you you can't like rely on that to ha- to have goodwill forever. And if you're going to constantly be the bad guy, uh, people are going to be very forgetful of uh, of where you come from just because it just it gets endlessly frustrating. In a case like that, like first off, the take is bad. And like if Ovi wants to keep playing hockey once his hockey season's done, heaven forbid he just wants to keep playing hockey. That shows that shows some that that actually shows character to me more than wanting yeah. to go. Okay, well it's time to go drink on a boat in uh, in Florida. Um, or wherever, uh, and, and to go to everybody else. Like he did the same thing with uh, my argument. He never, he didn't DM me, but he started DMing anyone who tried to support me with like, Oh, he's irrelevant and I'm better. And I do all these great things. I don't see him doing them. And I'm just like, really, man, it, it's, it's not the end of the world. We're trying to talk about hockey here and there's no need to be, um, 
so hostile about it. It's it's a game. It's it and it's and like we're the the reality is whenever we have these crazy arguments, be it him or be it someone else, or if I get mad at you on Twitter, or if I get mad at Justin on Twitter, or we all just whatever. We're 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 upset because we like a mutual passion in a slightly different way. Yep. And when you put it that way, the fact that we get so worked up about it is aggressively dumb. There's there's that's really what it comes down to. There's no reason uh, to make it so life and death when at the end of the day, we boil down to being about 95 percent in agreement leading up to that moment. It's the yeah. classic like hero villain showdown and somebody is like we're not so different you and i like it, it's true like yeah absolutely like this morning there was a thing about people were complaining i mostly saw these complaining about other people complaining about the leaves but then uh what was his name Nigel matty in edmonton i think was oh yeah so matthew's coverage and then uh Ian McLaren was complaining about the Leafs complaining. It's just like, who gives a shit? One, and two, Leafs are the best. And three, like, I don't know, just just have fun and uh, enjoy yourself. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, like, and no disrespect to, to those guys, um, especially Ian. I do like Ian, though today's take was, today's take was kind of weird. Like, his, his, the justification of his argument is, was like, you guys should be happy that we hate you so much. And it's like, no, the fans constantly get dumped on uh, whether they deserve it or not. And like, it's been 10 years of your team is garbage and us being, yeah, we know. We, we're, we're, we're yelling plan a parade after yeah. one win exactly it's it's like this weird uh, peak he actually planned the parade like wasn't that one of his things along with the bon Jovi bat banner one of yeah the first I, oh i i believe it and i think they should plan the parade because you know how crazy the parade's gonna it's be, gonna be Canada it's gonna start in vancouver it stops <laughs> in edmonton in calgary uh, It'll follow the same route as Terry Fox's <laughs> run across the country. <laughs> I'll um I'll post the image on Twitter once you post this podcast. But there was a guy on HF boards years ago who drew up his theoretical Stanley Cup parade that goes all the way across the country. Um, <laughs> it's 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 one of the greatest things ever. I'm, I I promise I'll find it. But it's but like they need to they need to do that stuff. They need to start having. Um, uh, planning ahead because it's going to have millions and millions of people. I know it's just a joke, but like if anyone from the Leafs is thinking about this, plan your parade. It's going to shut down the city for days. Like look at yeah. Chicago. There was like 3 million people outside for the Cubs winning. It's, it matters. It's heard a lot this season too about people just complaining that like they're sick of hearing about the Leafs all the time or whatever um, and just to hear it from media people is very strange also because like you of all people should know like how this works and like yeah. what a big market that is and like for once they're actually worth talking about also like yeah. you know like it's one thing if, if it was receiving this amount of coverage like three years ago but like this is legitimately a very fun exciting team full of young dynamic players that we are going to be watching for like the next 15 years basically yeah, uh, so exactly. so why wouldn't it receive this coverage basically right like it's infuriating right if we were sitting there and like the best player on this team would be connor brown hitting 40 points and be like, he's the future he might be like a second liner then yeah well of course <laughs> you don't want to hear that but the leafs have three legitimate superstars now at ages 19 19 and 20 um so that's that matters 
that's that's big for the league. It's like this isn't like a, oh, it's Toronto. This is how we treated McDavid. It's how we treat Crosby. It's Ovechkin. It's how we treated Taves and Kane. It's every time there's a new wave of superstars, they get hype. It's just it's unfortunate for 29 other markets that three of them play on the same team and have come in at the same time. And I get that it's frustrating that you have to kind of flip your narrative from we have to dig in on the Leafs to oh yeah. shit there we we need to find a way to be nice about them it, it, that's the reality they're good hockey players we we care about good hockey uh that's why we watch the national hockey league just to see the best hockey in the world and these guys are going to be a big part of that so it's worth the coverage it's as simple I think as that Fans of teams like, you know, Winnipeg or Calgary or whatever, who feel like their dynamic rookies are being unfairly overlooked. Um, but I don't really think that's true. Like you still hear about, uh, yeah. you know, like Matthew Kachuk all the time. He's been the talk of the entire league for the last two weeks, basically. Yeah. Uh, and, and still, I would say that no matter how much coverage the Leafs trio has received, they're still not as big of a story as Connor McDavid has been this year. All of the marketing for Sportsnet's entire like NHL push for this whole season was built around Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid is still the most talked about person in the NHL. I, I have to think basically yeah. uh, at least from like a, a branding and messaging perspective. So, um, and you know, ultimately my feeling is always that like, it's good for the league. It's good for the game when Toronto is good and worth watching also because, you know, those games are the ones that are going to be on TV anyway. Uh, so when they're actually exciting and entertaining, like how can that do anything except um, make your game more palatable to a larger audience to watch really? And it'll right. bring up hockey related revenue, presumably, and will increase the salary cap and then you can overplay for more players. And uh, uh, it's just good for the league. And, and I, I like hearing about the Leafs more than I like hearing about the Jets. So it's, it's a win-win for me. <laughs> I, and I think we hear a lot about all the Canadian teams. I don't think any of that shakes off. The only, I think the only team that has like a superstar rookie that should really be like, Hey, how about us is uh, probably Columbus with Zach Wierenski. He's been fantastic, but they're just happy that people are respecting them as a quality hockey team. They're sitting there going, Oh, this is fine. You don't need to talk about him winning the call. They're just, um, we're happy that you acknowledge that we aren't garbage. Uh, whereas everyone know who Wierenski is. I don't know single thing i don't know what position he, he plays oh he's admitted, admittedly yeah he's very good he's a uh, he's like a 40 point defenseman he was drafted i think three spots under marner um the um the leafs tried to uh oh, we're gonna trade down from the marner pick with columbus because columbus was that scared of losing orensky but uh the blue jackets backed off when they saw the price it was like fourth and uh, seventh and three seconds for fourth and they were like we're gonna take our chance so both teams got who they wanted and everybody's happy yeah um except for winnipeg edmonton calgary montreal <laughs> ottawa uh, i think vancouver is just too sad to care at this point yeah um, pretty much who did the canucks pick in that draft uh this would be 15 so probably besser um or was that the McCann year? I, I don't Vertanen. remember offhand. No, Vertanen was 14. Oh, by the way, my favorite stat from uh, from our own Leafs, Nations, uh, Leafs Nation account is that uh, William Nylander has more Player of the Month awards this year than Jake Vertanen has NHL points. 
Uh, hey, that's fine. I don't know if you've seen Jake recently. He's dropped a lot of weight. He's grown like a really greasy mustache. He yeah, looks like he's selling bootleg DVDs of movies that are still in theaters in the parking lot outside of a 7-Eleven. He's learned you to haven't pack seen his Logan things. yet. He's got it. If you want to see Get Out, he's probably got that too. Uh, just give him a call. He's got whatever you need. So, you know, it's things are working out. I haven't seen Get Out yet. Jake Rattan can hook me up. So I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I think the most important thing is that he's learned to pack his things. Like that was my favorite uh, thing on earth is when they sent him down. He's just like, we have to call him back up because he didn't bring anything with him to Utica. And I'm like, just send him to target. <laughs> yeah. He's a fucking millionaire. Like go to literally any store. You could buy exactly what you need, but you know, like high fashion and you've been dating uh, Chloe Moretz or whatever you might you might be accustomed to a higher life than you can find in Utica, New York. But well, I, I mean, there's a big difference between the stores in Abbotsford and the stores in uh, in Utica. And no Cactus Club in Utica. Which is I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's sad. Just sad times over here. How's that? But Brock, Brock Besser looks good. So, you know, maybe that's worth burning a, a entry level year of somebody's contract, I guess. I actually, I actually, right. I actually think that that was a really smart move on their part. Um, the it seems more like a marketing ploy, though, than like an actual developmental move. So, like, it seems wasteful on that level, but at the same time, they do badly need this. Like the, yeah. the level of apathy in the market right now uh, is a lot higher than I can remember it in a long time. Yeah, like it, uh, it seemed it seemed pretty dead for the games that I went to. Um, but no, I think there's actually a calculated smart hockey move there because let's be honest, the Canucks aren't going to be good. Uh, they're not going to be competing three years from now. Uh, so there's no need to have him on his entry level deal in three years. What they do by burning it now is they make it so they have to extend him before, uh, he fully, fully breaks out. So they'll get his second contract cheaper than they would have, uh, bef uh besides that. Uh, so I think in that regard, it actually helps them in the long run to have him burn it now. Uh, but really I mean, I, I does that really pan out with comparables, though? Because I feel like other guys like Goudreau got brought in under similar circumstances and burned his first year as well. And he still got the huge ticket contract. Obviously, I, well, I mean, it would have been even better turns into Johnny Goudreau. Then that's uh, a pretty fucking sweet deal. Yeah, either way, uh, Bennett instead of Goudreau. No, no, no. It happened with it happened with Goudreau as well. But okay. I also think that Goudreau would have probably got even like a million or two more than he got now uh, if he did that. Because he got like, what, seven or eight? Um, maybe even less than that. Let's actually quickly look. I think it was, I think it was pretty low, um, by comparison of other superstars and it is 6.4, uh, 6.75. That's peanuts for Johnny Gaudreau for six yeah. years. Um, if they would have waited one more year and he would have put up another, uh, he's on pace for another 63, 65 points. They would have had to sign him for eight or nine. They would, they would have had to have been a gigantic contract. So they, that pays off for them. The, the flames are now starting to, to hit that point where they 
they are going to be vaguely competitive for a bit and they have them cheaper now than they would have otherwise. And I, I think, think it'll be more than vaguely competitive. I think they're right now. They're the hottest team in the league. And I, I, I think they could go far as long as they don't get Anaheim in the first round. So. Well, when I say vaguely competitive, I'm talking like when like the Blackhawks were super close every year and they yeah. needed to have those uh, cheaper deals that were still on ELCs. Like they did like the, 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 the flames wouldn't have got much better uh, this year if they had another 6 million to spend i don't think um they would have just like brought chris russell back or something <laughs> uh, but but through but doing it the doing it the way they did the they did has now made it so next year when they do need to make their next step they have probably another million and a half two million dollars to work with and i think that's the play there for besser is they can sign him to a long-term deal a year in advance and get him a little bit cheaper if he pans out if he doesn't then none of this matters anyway uh they then they got their marketing for like the week and a half or whatever it is yeah. Five more games. <laughs> so do you think the least make the playoffs? Um, I don't know. I think they're going to finish 29th. I think there's uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot of time for uh, them to still get Nolan Patrick. Uh, I, yeah, I would I would I know the trade deadlines passed, but maybe like they can talk to like Boston or Tampa to make sure that they can make it and start selling off uh, guys <laughs> trade a uh, trade Nylander to Tampa for uh, for a depth defenseman right now. Uh, make sure that they make it. Stupid thing that Nylander that Tierson was pushing to try to trade Nylander to the uh, the uh, the Ducks for an HL defenseman. Yeah, all all season until like last month, I guess. Probably still, (laughs) they were trying to get that narrative going. I think I think somebody I forget who, but someone brought it up on the radio again. the two or three days ago where oh well maybe there's something in the summer and it's like why he's <laughs> if William Nylander was on like 27 other teams they he'd be considered the future piece of the franchise yeah. he is he is the best under 21 player on like every team that isn't like Edmonton Winnipeg Buffalo and maybe one or two others so he's he is well, I, I mean that's a given. I, f- I figure that's that, that's fine. You can probably, I guess, Calgary can kind of be a wash depending on whether you like Kachuk or Nylander more. But for the bulk of the league, he is he he would be a future piece um, that they would build the next generation around. And you want to trade him for a guy who stabilizes your defense, and you want to cite uh, Hall for Larson, which I don't care how good the Oilers are right now. That's still <laughs> one of the dumbest one for one trades in the history of hockey. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's it's insane. He's if 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 Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner were in here, we'd be talking about William Nylander as the best Maple Leaf since Matt Sandin. Yeah, and, and he's like, twenty years old, and they want to get rid of him. It's ridiculous. I feel like there's like a, a need to like overcompensate uh, in terms of like if you make a proposal for bringing in an outside defenseman where you're not giving up very much, then it's a very like. Uh, Homer biased kind of take that, uh, you know, well, we can just get what we need for some garbage package of our scraps, essentially. Yeah. Well, then just uh, don't make- then going too far in the other direction yeah. where, like, <laughs> you know, like I understand that you need to give to get and you understand that, too. But uh, also sometimes you need to hold because what you have is much better <laughs> than what you'll receive back in return. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Just like don't make trade proposals. Let's look at something like HF boards where there's like 10 million <laughs> trade proposals a day and they'll reference anytime someone gets it right. And it's been like eight times in 10 years. Their shooting percentage <laughs> is like 0.01. I don't know why the media thinks they're going to do much better. We should probably just t- stop talking about we're going to give up X 
X and X for this. If you want to say, hey, this team should go after this guy, then sure. I mean, I've done that. I've talked about, hey, maybe the Leafs look at someone like Mike Green for next year. Or if the Rangers are in cap trouble, take on Rick Nash for one season because the Leafs can afford it and he's still good. That's cool. But then when you start getting into the, oh, well, I think they should trade this piece and this piece. No one is ever, ever, ever going to agree. And when we look at every trade, that actually happens everyone's got like a definitive opinion on it right away so clearly none of them are ever really even yeah um in terms of fan perception maybe maybe teams believe that they're even sometimes they may even become even but no one ever says it right away just don't propose trades like if it comes down to that you don't need to say william nylander is going for every single defenseman just to try to sound like you're being fair just say that the leafs need a defenseman like yeah. it's as simple as that so switching switching gears a bit uh justin tell me uh what is your day day job uh oh, <laughs> what isn't my day job i i work about probably four jobs at the same time um not at the same time but you know <laughs> just hope that a bunch of different part-time gigs add up to something that equals a full-time income and i live in the west end in vancouver so so far that must be working out somewhat <laughs> for me uh i hope i'm, I'm told uh, the real estate's pretty cheap there absolutely uh no i do a lot of uh like market. <laughs> freelance announcing uh, uh for volleyball basketball football uh hockey when i can for different uh sporting organizations around the city whether that's a high school or university or uh, junior teams here and there um and i work for a radio station 1027 the peak here in the city as well just pushing buttons and making things happen there while i wait my turn to hopefully speak on the air at one point that is the idea anyways and additionally work at a brewery just slinging beer to make ends meet as well and of course make a little money off of real good show my podcast that i host with two comedian friends john cullen and stefan heck as well so uh all of these things add up to just enough money to eat by every single month and uh it's not the best way to make a living but uh i'm making it work while i can right on uh yeah. tell me about your podcast I, I i like it a lot um how did it start? Well, uh, um, what's thank it? Thank you very much. It was. <laughs> it's. I mean, what isn't it about? It is. Uh, it's. It's a sports comedy show. We had Jeff on while he was in uh, Vancouver recently. Fantastic yeah, time. Team. Thank you for coming by, man. That was a ton of fun. Uh, we we talk about hockey from the uh, perspective of the fact that sports make us miserable. You know, I think it's uh, <laughs> it's a comedy show, and so much is that uh, like sports fandom is supposed to be the one thing that takes your mind off of all of the stresses in your day-to-day life, but it also might be the worst thing you spend your time on uh, in your day-to-day life as well, just in terms of uh, crushing disappointment and and bitter feelings uh, that add up over the years. I don't have a lot of hope. I'm not like Jeff out there. I don't get to watch three dazzling rookies on a nightly basis. Uh, If If it's any consolation, I still have to watch the same guys that you do three hours later so that's it brings true. me down after going up that's true it's, it's some up and downs for you or it's just a lot of downs for me right now um you know yeah we, we talk about sports it's a lot of canucks misery because Stefan and i are both canucks fans but john is very excited about the leafs so uh, that kind of lightens the mood sometimes and we just look for funny stories in the overall world of sports whether that's uh soccer over there in europe or or the nfl or or any league whatsoever if there's funny sound bites we are going to talk about it i hope uh and then uh shoot the shit about some pop culture and just general stuff going on in our lives at the same time and uh people seem to like it 
and we've been doing it for almost two years now, which is crazy. It feels like that time has just whizzed by, that my life is just disappearing before my eyes. But uh, it's fun, you know? Time flies when you're having fun, I guess, is the number one thing. And, uh, and it is certainly doing that. Are you only on SoundCloud or did you get on uh, iTunes? You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Uh, I'm trying to get us on TuneIn right now. A bunch of different, basically anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find a really good show. And if you want to kick in five bucks a month, we put out some bonus content through Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash real good show. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great way to uh, make a little extra money and, and just, uh, you know, the fact that people want to pay for it, that it's something that they enjoy enough that they want to kick some some shekels our direction every single mm-hmm. month. Uh, it, it's honestly amazing. Like I just how nice people are about it, whether it's like just compliments or uh, kind words. I was at a concert uh, at the Commodore. I went with a friend of the show, Devang Desai, uh, to see Mother Mother the other night and some guy just found me randomly in the middle of the audience and was like, Hey, like, are you Justin? Like he just recognized me from the cover art of the podcast and was like, I don't, I don't want to bother you, but like, I fucking love your show and just, just keep doing it, please. Like it, it meant a lot to him. And, uh, it meant a lot to me to get to hear that from some random stranger who was just like nice as can be and then vanished back into the night. So yeah, that, that's really, the, really well. The, um, the nicest thing about like content creation is having like strangers, appreciate what you do and uh i don't think we're any of us are in this business of i don't know whatever content we're making to get rich really and uh but if you can get a, a stranger to, to say or like anyone they just say you did a good job on that or i like your yeah. website or you wrote a good article it's uh it's a really nice feeling yeah it's yeah. a weird thing in that like compliments always feel like they mean a lot more when they come from someone that you don't know like if my girlfriend told me that I did something amazing, it's it's very nice of her to say that, but it's also like there's some like obligation on her part to tell me that too. Like it's not that I don't believe her, it's just that like of course she's gonna say that. Why wouldn't she say I don't know if that sounds like super entitled or whatever, but like there's just a level of expectation there. Whereas like some random person who I might never see again in my life, if they want to tell me something very kind, like that means a lot because, you know, they don't have to do that. I'm never going to see them again. They didn't have to walk up to me or offer to buy me a beer or whatever. Uh, it's 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 a wonderful thing. I, I got to say, first off, randomly running into Justin after recording uh, a show uh, was pretty great. Was just randomly seeing such a great human being just on the streets of wherever I was in Vancouver. I don't exactly where remember yeah. where it was. I was uh, was pretty and Kingsway. Right, right. Um, yeah. I was walking to the Biltmore. Yes, yes, that's the place. Um, just, what a small world! I could not believe I ran into you. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was, it was, it was pretty. I had a lot of really weird small world moments when I was in Vancouver. When uh, we went to go get uh, when J- when JD and I went to go get Putin, um, I was telling the the girl who was giving me a uh, beer about how I lost my ID. Um, and she was like, just get a, just get a new one. I'm like, no, I'm from, uh, I'm from Ontario. And she's like, where I'm like Toronto. And she's like, okay, where in Toronto? I'm like Bathurst and, and Wilson. And she's just like, I grew up like down the street from you. Uh, there was a dude at Van Hack who we go to the same Seven Eleven every night. Um, <laughs> he, he just decided to come. He just decided to come for the trip. Um, random, the ra- random people are, uh, are hidden miss with me there. Uh, I either get people who are incredibly nice or I've actually just straight up had people tell me that I'm garbage and they're the reason why <laughs> being a Leaf fan is bad. Um, I, I loved you, you tweeted a story a couple of weeks ago about somebody who like, Oh, in Vancouver. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You to your uh, face without knowing that you were you. 
Yeah, yeah, I was on uh, I was on commercial and and um, I was wearing my Canucks Army shirt, the one that has like Vertanen's name on it. And he's just like Vertanen's a bust, and I'm, and he was wearing a Leaf hat. And I'm just like, well, at least the Leafs are actually good. And he's like, oh, one of those Jeffler fanboys. I'm like, no, I hate that guy. <laughs> Terrible. I mean, technically, um, I would think you are a pretty big Jeffler fanboy. So he he probably wasn't wrong on that. I mean, I mean, I but. am Jeffler fanboy number one. Um, while we've been recording <laughs> this podcast, someone uh, someone did blame me and my uh, hashtag and my mugs for ruining uh, Lee fans on Twitter. So uh, shout out to that. Um, it's now in my I have single handedly ruined thread. I'm not sure if you guys uh, are aware of that thread, but it's something I've kept going. Uh, yeah. since the summer and it's what's well, important to great. keep track of everything you've destroyed for yeah. people. <laughs> um, according so here's the list I've ruined the Toronto Maple Leafs I've ruined the Leafs again and again um, I've ruined the Leafs through Nylander's clothing um, I should face legal action for it like someone actually said the Leafs should sue me for like defamation of their team or whatever Defamation um, for saying that they're good. <laughs> yeah, we're questioning that not everything they do is perfect. Uh, Mark Spector ah, said oh. I was basically the reason Randy Carlisle got fired. <laughs> um, In which case, you're a fucking hero. Yeah, yeah. they should. Yeah, I ruined you outside the arena. Yeah, ruined the season. Ruined their ability to have fun. Ruined being a fan of the Leafs. Ruined being able to be an open fan of the Leafs. I'm the reason Morgan Riley got hurt. I ruined All Star Weekend, Stars games, oh. Leafs Reddit. Uh, the February 9th game, uh, Frank Corrado, Vancouver, uh, the, the March 13th game, uh, Kasperi Kapanen and now hockey Twitter on the whole. Uh, it's a great thread. The Spectre one is the most interesting, though, because did he really think that that was a bad thing that Carlisle no longer coaches? He's the guy the that tweeted, uh, where are the people calling for Carlisle <laughs> yes. to be fired after he was fired? And someone responded back with, with just that. They're like, you're yeah. expecting people to still want Carlisle fired um, after Carlisle was fired? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Ryan Fancy's pin tweet still. It's, it's, my, it's my favorite. <laughs> one of my favorite pin tweets in all of Twitter, actually. Yeah. So Steve Simmons under Carlisle leaves for second in the NHL in goal scoring 3.25 goals per game. Since then 1.84 goals per game, lowest in the league. Mark Spector, lots of fire Carlisle voices. Weren't there wondering where they all went. Um, Shane SSM. Are you asking why after Carlisle was fired, people aren't still saying fire Carlisle. <laughs> Good man. How does he have a job? How do any of these guys have jobs? Apparently he's very nice in person. Uh, Spectre that is, I don't know. I'm not totally sold on Simmons. Simmons like literally like stood behind me and eavesdropped on my conversations during the world cup of hockey. It was really weird. Really? Yeah. I think that, I don't know. So he's aware of who I am, but he doesn't want to have a conversation, I guess. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe it's just coincidence that whenever I stood around with a group of people, Simmons would walk up immediately behind me. It could genuinely be coincidence. Uh, but, uh, it happened, it happened a lot of times in two weeks. I will, so I will definitely say that. I don't know. Saying hi to people who don't seem to like me has not been a uh, great history for me. So, um, so yeah. Even the, even the media villain of the day in Vancouver at the moment is uh, is Ian McIntyre. Um, and and like in my brief experiences being a you know 
someone who was in the scrum for uh, press availability uh, for the Canucks when I was interning at CBC and different places uh, during my BCIT days. Um, like Ian is a, was a very nice, like kind, welcoming person. One of the most welcoming people in that entire circle. I found personally at the time, uh, he just seems like he, I don't think he's ill-intentioned or that he's a bad person. He's just maybe not so in touch with what it's like at this point as as a economic pursuit that makes money for you and helps you make ends meet. Um, so for non-Canucks fans, uh, who's Ian McIntyre? Uh, Ian McIntyre is a longtime writer for the Vancouver Sun and now uh, writes for the province occasionally as well as those two papers have kind of folded into one entity. Uh, and he is basically uh, just a mouthpiece for this uh, uh, current regime. Trevor Linden uh, obviously has his ear because essentially if, if you read a column that McIntyre says something uh, or, or into uh, you know, uh, intimates some sort of feeling from management. It's probably pretty legit uh, because he's a guy who will not speak ill of Trevor Linden or anything that this regime has really done over the last three years. And uh, it's it's kind of just like he's he's a he's a mouthpiece for what they want out in in the media landscape at large. And he uh, entered into a rather entertaining feud with Jackson McDonald of Canucks Army a couple weeks ago uh, after saying that he wasn't going to do it. Uh, he immediately devoted an entire column to uh, facing criticism and, and really like he, he completely ignored the entire argument that Jackson presented, which was like Ian went on the radio and said that Vancouver fans uh, want it both ways. They can't make the, up their minds about uh, what they want the team to do because they want to tank. They want uh, to lose for a better draft pick, but then they also want to be very critical uh, about every single loss and they can't handle the losing. Uh, and honestly, all uh, Jackson said, which is a very smart thing to say, is that like any fan base is going to be made up of a wide array of people who all want different things. But for the most part, like people are not criticizing the fact that they're losing. They're criticizing the way that they're losing. The hockey that they're playing to try to win, which is still resulting in losses, is terrible almost unwatchable godforsaken hockey. So that is what people are being critical of. And the fact that the, the players who are being given opportunities to play big minutes as we close out the stretch run of what is basically a meaningless lost season are career AHL guys who probably won't be with this team next season, probably won't even be in the NHL next season. Uh, and we're giving those guys ample opportunity to show what they can demonstrate at the National Hockey League level. Whereas a prospect like Jordan Subban, who does nothing but score on the power play, mm -hmm. which should be a huge boost for a team that for the life of them cannot score on the power play, is just left to rot in the AHL forever. He will never be like he got called up once uh, when they went through a huge string of injuries to defensemen, but he couldn't get into the lineup ahead of a guy like Alex Biega, who is now not even playing defense for the team and is now like a big uh, mucker fourth line forward for them. So uh, I, there's a lot of room to be critical of deployment and the, the way that they have uh, let some guys have all kinds of opportunity. Like one of the uh, current things right now is like uh, Goldobin, who is the piece that they got back from San Jose in exchange for Yannick Hansen at the trade deadline is a young player who has all kinds of offensive skill and is used to playing like 18 to 20 minutes a night in the AHL. And, you know, maybe you're not going to give him those amount of minutes at the national level. Uh, like, I don't really expect that. But 
he needs to be put in a position to succeed. And they have no problem putting Jason Megna in positions to succeed. But guys who are actually going to be a part of turning this thing around long term down the stretch don't seem to get that chance. And maybe it's because Willie probably is not going to be the coach to turn things around long term down the stretch. But coaching to save your job when your superior is explicitly telling you that guys like Goldobin, guys like Subban are the people that we want to see play minutes down the stretch uh, seems counterintuitive in a many different ways. You're not serving your master and your general manager. You're not serving the people who are actually paying money to come see the games. <laughs> Nobody is happy watching what this team is doing down the stretch. And it's hard to feel anything other than uh, apathy uh, you know, beyond that, it's just frustration. So uh, fans have a lot to gripe about. Losing is not technically one of them, but I feel like the media does a lot to conflate those two issues because the the ownership group has done a lot over the last like three to four years to push this false narrative that fans will not support a rebuild in Vancouver, yeah. that nobody will come out to watch the games if we're explicitly setting out to lose. To which all you can say is you're not explicitly setting out to lose right now, but you're doing it anyway. How could it possibly be any worse than what is happening right now? 100%. Um, it's, uh, it's, and it's, really, it's, it's really frustrating when people in the media uh, basically uh, feign that they cannot understand this when it's not a complicated issue. It's yeah. really not complicated. Uh, so, you know, uh, Ian McIntyre has taken a good deal of criticism for that and it's entirely deserved. And he basically shrugged it all off and said, well, you know, I've got bigger problems in that Steve Ewan, who writes the province also has cancer and global warming is going to kill the planet for my children and post media layoffs are going to knock a lot of friends of mine out of work but those post-media layoffs came and went last week and the people who lost their jobs were all young people some yeah. of whom one of whom in particular got their start broke into that industry by taking on a pretty large role at canucks army and patrick johnston who like yeah. could not have done more for that paper was running their entire like province sports radio podcast network and still was given his walking papers because someone like Ian McIntyre has seniority and Patrick Johnston does not. So yeah, that's the thing. Uh, it doesn't make sense. I would say ec economically to keep these old guys around, uh, unless they're in a union or they've got some sort of contract, but mm -hmm. they, I'm sure they're a lot more expensive than Patrick Johnson and, and, but, and like if it's less and they're worse writers. So <laughs> if Patrick's job is disappearing, then someone like Jackson will never have an opportunity at a job in the first place. So for Ian to turn around and criticize him, it just fucking makes no sense whatsoever. Um, yeah. It's very, very frustrating. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think Ian is a bad person. I just feel like he probably needs somebody to explain to him the realities of what entering media looks like for someone in their 20s right now. Yeah. Um, three just kind of adding points. One, first off, if if anyone remotely in media is listening, Patrick needs to get hired by someone as soon as possible. He's a Absolutely. fantastic hard worker, incredibly talented. I can speak the world of Patrick. It would take like another hour for me to say all the nice things. Just <laughs> you, you need to acquire him. He's incredible. Um, two, you mentioned Jordan Subban. He scored a power play goal while we were in this conversation, um, <laughs> technically speaking, Frank Corrado scored in his own net. So I am not a great look for another great look for my brand, but, uh, <laughs> but it, it definitely happened. And that the, I'm, 
back beef was just so great. I, I that, that that like that gave me strength. That was a uh, that was a turning point of our season. It was a lot of fun to see that all unfold, and I think CA did a great job of uh, of outlining its arguments. Um, Greg, to kind of give you a uh, a comparable on what IMAC would be if you like get take away this beef, like if you want like a Leaf Media comparable, um, I'd say he's kind of like you know Kevin McGran from the Star. Oh, same, same kind of idea. Like I, I like then that's just the thing. Uh, he's uh, someone I disagree with opinion wise a lot, but he's also a very nice human being. And I think that's probably where, where, where those two both stand. They're both kind of old school. They kind of know like the old guard. Um, I guess Kevin doesn't have as much access now in the Lou era. I might be wrong, but, but both just like not really agreeable in their hockey opinions, but good people. Um, mm. I think that would be your parallel if you're looking for a Toronto equivalent. Sounds about right. Uh, Kevin McGrath's so bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, switch topics. Uh, so is um, Kevin James going to win the Royal Rumble? I mean, uh, Kevin Owens. <laughs> the Royal Rumble is was back in January. Today is WrestleMania. It's probably right. happened already by the time most people have uh, listened to this. I assume Kevin Owens is going to beat Chris Jericho today. I assume that Brock Lesnar will beat Goldberg because there's only really one way that these things can go. It's going to be a seven-hour show, uh, just like it was last year. It's the it's it's almost a grueling uh, ordeal to sit through, but uh, I have a lot of beer in the fridge, so I'm sure I will handle it just fine. No, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's a big it's a big party. It's one of my drunkest days of the year, consistently <laughs> every single year. And you know what? I was saying this yesterday. Uh, as much as I try to like keep my wrestling geek fandom. Uh, concealed sometimes for like, uh, you know, respectability points that, oh, uh, I wouldn't be into something like that. Uh, I, Did I you know like wrestling is fake? <laughs> Pro wrestling is having a big moment right now. Uh, and it's been building for the last couple of years, but I feel like this WrestleMania is like, uh, I know more people who are having viewing parties today than any wrestling show I can think of since like the late 90s basically it's it seems like it's a i know the the tv rating numbers are down about as low as they've ever been for raw and smackdown every week but uh you know viewing habits are shifting uh, a lot of people catch up with things online their youtube still does huge numbers and uh you don't need television to watch their pay-per-views ultimately um, so, so I, f- I feel like it's, it's about as big as it's been in the last 15 years or so right now. It's, it's having a, a rather large moment. And it's, it's really nice to see that the thing that I love is not uh, as widely shunned as I might think it is. Well, it's really interesting. And I say this as someone who doesn't watch it all. It's been a long, long time since I've watched uh, any form of wrestling. I wasn't super into it as a kid, but I felt along. So I knew what my friends were talking about. I think what kind of, what's kind of happening now is you're seeing a bit of like the the younger audience that's now grown into adults kind of getting into that nostalgia phase where they pass where they pass by the, oh, well, whatever, I've given up on this. This is just, this is fake, blah, 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 blah. To, oh, well, I understand why it is what it is. And now I'm just going to have fun with with it instead of trying to be all judgmental. And I think we're kind of hitting that point where people are appreciating the show and appreciating the fact that we can talk about and connect old memories. Uh, not me again, not me personally. It's just, I don't watch enough TV to really be, uh, be devoted into it. But I think, I think nostalgia plays key and it's playing key in a good way now. 
Absolutely. And I, I think when I was watching it as a kid and as a teenager back in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, I, I was hooked on kind of like the soap opera element of it. Like the storylines uh, were compelling and kept me coming back from week to week. Whereas now I watch it and appreciate it as an art form and, and can recognize the, the decisions being made uh, on a week to week basis, on a, on a match to match basis, on a move to move basis. Things that are happening uh, as like artistic choices, basically, and have a lot of appreciation for uh, what these guys do as performers every single night. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, I got back in in 2012 or so because when I was working in broadcasting, it's the weird thing. You, f- you find that a lot of comedians and a lot of people who work in media really fucking love wrestling. A lot of radio people love wrestling. I don't know if it's because like the play-by-play element of it when they were a kid is something that pushed them into broadcasting in the first place, but a lot of people have hung on to that. And so I was watching it because my coworkers were watching it and I got heavy back into it because uh, at the same time that I was watching, that, that I started Real Good Show, actually, I had come out of a really terrible situation working for a junior A hockey team uh, here in the Lower Mainland that uh, uh, had some some shady dealings and was not the the you know big break for my career that i was hoping it would be i was in a very uh depressed kind of funk coming out of that job having a really bad time uh working in junior a hockey unfortunately and uh i just kind of lapsed back uh like you said jeff to something nostalgic something that made me happy when i was a kid something that that feels kind of like cultural comfort food and when i was in a you know sad place in my life it was something that made me happy so i kind of leaned harder into it and i've seen it get better and better and better i feel like the product is about as good now as it's ever been and uh it's attracting an audience to match so it's it's nice to see uh that this keeps gathering steam and that uh i'm not wasting my time on some shameful pursuit just to uh bring it back to a point from before that uh it looks like uh the canucks lineups for tonight are out and goldobin is scratched for magna so uh, oh my god yeah and biega is staying in as a forward so honestly uh, if goldobin is was going to play the game on the third line with Brandon Sutter, it's probably better to scratch him anyways, because nobody is going to have success playing nine to 12 minutes with Brandon Sutter. Brandon Sutter is probably the worst player that I can think of who plays regular, consistent, big minutes. He does absolutely nothing with them, uh, especially since Christmas or so. I don't know if it's nagging injuries or if his game is just falling off a cliff. This guy sucks. You're not going to succeed playing with him. And uh, if anything, Goldobin's confidence has just cratered since he came over and had a, a big first game. And uh, playing with Brandon Sutter is not going to do anything to rehabilitate it. So yeah, I don't really well, mind that. Well, nobody saw it coming. So, uh, <laughs> who did they give up for again? Oh, Yannick uh, uh, Hansen for for, uh, for Goldobin or for no, yeah. no for uh, Sutter. Oh, uh, Benino, oh. Uh, Clendenning, and a second. I want to say was the trade. Was it for third for one player? Uh, let me look up the exact. Uh, already halfway there. Um, Benino, Clendenning, Clendenning, Benino, and a second for for Sutter and a third. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, see, the, the comparison I made, and this is one of like my last big Canucks Army articles because I got ripped for being a biased Leaf fan, was like, of course, was basically just he is your Dave Boland, except you signed him to an extension already before even getting a chance to look. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like Dave Boland would probably be better. Like, well, <laughs> he, he was in Chicago, anyways. Like, even like, like Boland was actually good for Chicago. Even Pittsburgh fans couldn't wait to see Sutter go 
Like somebody okay. tweeted the other night uh, during the game that like the idea of Brandon Sutter is much better than Brandon Sutter in actuality. Yes. Because he's never going to be what you think he is. If he didn't have the Sutter last name, if his name was Brandon Smith, he might not even be in the NHL right now. Like I might not go that far, but like he wouldn't have the kind of lofty expectations attached to him. This is a guy who's never had more than 40 points in his career. Yeah. And he has been handed first line minutes. Basically he's played the entire season with the Sedins on the first unit power play for Vancouver this year and done absolutely nothing. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the exciting foundational pieces that I have to look forward to for years to come. He's, he, he's a guy that brings you into a winning environment. He makes the whole team better with his, uh, with his veteran presence. He's a good pro. He does things the right way. Um, I found in my experience uh, working in hockey as well as viewing it, that anybody who talks loudly about building a winning culture is about to assemble the losingest team you've ever seen. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just say sign really good floaters. They they score they score more goals than the other team. I think that's more important than uh, than fist bumps on the way out onto the ice. You know. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I think that'll spend about an hour wrap that up. But uh, Justin, you said you do some announcing. Could you record an outro uh, of all our sure. names for uh, the Ninja Podcast in your announcer sure. voice? <laughs> Uh, this has been a presentation of Ninja Radio. You've been listening to Ninja Greg as well as Jeff Vayette and Justin Morissette. We'll see you again next week, folks. Thank you so much for your time here today. Have a pleasant evening and an even better tomorrow.
CIA, they wouldn't have you in the bye-bye. 